0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am your lovely host Crystal Williams and I'm here with always my two lovely co-hosts,
1: Lizzie and Jazzy. Say hi. Hello. Hi, yes, I do want to make your media gay. <laughs>
2: That's always the goal. My <laughs> and, uh, I'm I'm currently mourning my dead Tamagotchi. Oh
0: Prestige's. no. <laughs> And uh, listeners, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, you may have known her from um, her, her name Mars Girl, but she's also Kaylin Saucedo. Welcome to our show.
3: Hi, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to have me out over here.
0: Um, we hope that our lovely little queer gay show uh, warms your heart.
3: <laughs> I'm just happy to be a part of it. So thank uh. you
0: happy to have you here um so <laughs> are we gonna talk about the elephant in the
1: room
4: <laughs> you
1: didn't you didn't even try to be you didn't about make this. an
4: effort what do you <laughs> mean, <laughs> do you mean? So i'm good.
0: talking about lizzie's unhealthy obsession with the scream franchise <laughs>
1: We talk about that every we talk Do about we, that every god crystal we always talk about that god Yes,
0: but it's always an elephant in the room
3: <laughs> is this an intervention yes <laughs>
0: we brought Kalon on specifically to have an intervention for you
3: i can't I talk mean, very much about scream personally i had the Scream soundtrack? The, was it the first film? Oh, the soundtrack I had. For the first Scream is so fucking good. Yeah, so that's that's all. That's that's the extent of the conversation I can have. Is that official soundtrack? <laughs>
1: that's it. God, if we're going if we're going after Lizzie's Scream addiction, I, oh no. If we're going to go after all of our pop culture addictions, fuck! I need to I need to hide my yakuza shit.
2: <laughs> Don't let anyone find it. I gotta I gotta hide my literal you guys know those um color pans of like all of the primary colors in every scene of a movie? I have one of those for scream. I need to go hide it because no one's allowed to take it from me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. My sister uh, gave it to me to be fair. I did not purchase that myself. My sister <laughs> bought
0: that for me. And if we're hiding our pop culture obsessions, I guess I'm gonna have to stop start hiding the fact that I'm an evil dead hardcore fan.
1: Why would you need to hide it? You're the one trying to take it away from us, Crystal. <laughs> what, why
0: would I? Wait, why would I be t- trying to take Evil Dead away from you?
2: <laughs> no, you're trying to lead the crusade of not letting me buy any more ghost-faced shoes, of which I own two pairs.
0: <sighs> Fine, you can have your obsessions. It's all good. <laughs> Success. Kay- Kaylin, uh, what is your... I guess we'll get this show rolling with a simple question. What is your biggest pop culture obsession?
3: God, biggest? So, longest running is going to be Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. Nice. But uh, perhaps biggest in most recent explosion, I I must also lean into Yakuza uh, over the last couple of years. (laughs) big into yakuza my husband and i blew through the entire franchise in like a year a year and a half something like that i had played uh some of zero and i had played some of uh the fist of the north star yakuza spin-off game and i trying
1: to finish the fist of the north star one
3: <laughs> it's it's good it's fun and i had played some of the both of those and i was really enjoying them and then judgment came out in uh 2019 And uh, my husband seemed really interested in it. And I was like, okay, let's both play it and sit down and play it together. And uh, we streamed it. And he was just blown away by it. Just really entranced by its narrative. And um, how, just like any other Yakuza game in the franchise, it goes from this really serious criminal story criminal underworld story to suddenly you're doing these side missions and they're just weird and goofy and why is any of this happening but it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and when we finished it it was like well there's this entire franchise out there do you Josh do you want to keep sitting with me and playing the rest of the franchise and he wasn't sure at first because he really loved Yagami the main character of Judgment but uh, it ended up being an incredible bonding experience because the entire franchise is amazing. Top to bottom, amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I got in I got in primarily thanks to Yakuza 0. I played that on a—that was like a purchase on a whim. I think it might have been on a sale at some point when I was just browsing, and I thought, yeah, sure, why not? I'll give right. this a look and i enjoyed all of it um i then played the koami games because koami 1 was already out koami 2 was on the way i got that day 1 and then mm-hmm. and then i was on a bit of a delay for a while because my ps3 was kind of on the shit so i couldn't play 3 through 5 so thankfully not too long after uh, after that problem uh 3 through 5 eventually came out and i got to those got to 6 played like a dragon and I still need to play through both the Fist of the North Star one and Judgment fully, and I'm surprised I haven't beaten either of those, because I really enjoyed what I played of both of them.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Fist of the North Star one does a, uh, a pretty good job of really condensing the entire narrative of the manga-slash-anime. It, like, throws the whole thing in there, but, like, really fast. So it just blows through it all—they condense it into one city— they force you to do the whole thing as if it all happened in one city, but it worked. It totally right. worked. It was very fun.
1: It, it's funny because one of my friends at the time was saying, like, Jazzy, do you even know what Fist North Star is? And it's like, no, but I am a Yakuza fan, so I need to play
3: this. I mean, surely you've heard through the ether of uh, uh, you are already dead. I mean, who yeah, has you are already dead? I know dead. the memes, so yeah.
1: I'm good. <laughs> I know. It's like, I heard the memes. I know the memes. I can, I can get through this fine. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly past that it, it the like I said, the game tells you the narrative anyway, so it's it's fine you'll catch up you'll get it
2: <laughs> it's figure outable
3: yeah
1: <laughs> I,
0: I i I still need to um I need to play those games myself gotta make
1: time to do that when do I ever have time fuck i I got my <laughs> friend to play them, and he went from so he played Yakuza Zero, really enjoyed it, and then he immediately got to like a dragon, and I was like, dude, really? And he's like and he's like, well, you can explain everything I missed, and I'm like, Yeah, I can. <laughs> it's like excessive detail,
3: but I think it's an okay launching point, actually, if only because it gives you an entirely new cast of characters. Doing their own thing, their own brand new story in a brand new city. Uh, and yes, there's going to be cameos that you're going to be like, oh, I don't know who these guys are. It's going right over my head. But with any luck, it'll make you curious. Like, man, maybe I should go back and play these others. And it's a great JRPG.
4: Yeah, really. I, that's what, I too,
2: that's think what my that's okay though. So. People put a little bit too much emphasis on, oh, if there's any reference to something I don't understand, then I can't enjoy the thing. It's like, sure you can. Like, it's, it's okay not- to not get every single thing that's...
1: Right. It's-
2: that Every cameo and every person right. and every joke. It's okay.
1: Like, um, the only... No, I didn't explain the entire series detail to him. I just said, like, if he had any questions when he does reach those, like, third-act cameos, like, anything he should know, I'll just say, okay, here's a bullet point list. <laughs> and he's like... And then there was the point where he was asking, wait, what's Kyrgyz's deal? And I'm like, do you really want me to
3: explain everything? <laughs> A whole like six, seven games worth of material there to cover.
0: That sounds like um. So I when, when Kingdom Hearts three came out was that two years ago now? I'm really yeah. Forget- it came yeah. out at
3: the beginning of 2019. It was okay. like the same weekend as my birthday that year, and I remembered, like yeah, I'm not. Super excited about the story of Kingdom Hearts 3, but it looks like it's gonna be fun as hell because the gameplay is always really friggin' good. So I was really excited because I had waited like literally half my life between Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts 3. I was real excited about it at the time.
0: Yeah.
2: The- so if real my my thing with Kingdom Hearts, I had finally started playing it um in february of 2020 mm-hmm. at my at, at at uh josh and jack actually uh the horror guru and and uh count dracula at yeah, their yeah. apartment yeah i started playing it in, in their apartment in san francisco and then COVID happened when i was like a month into playing it and now i've been in san diego for a year so oh no <laughs> i just have this unfinished saved to their
3: PlayStation. (laughs) Damn it, you didn't get to when the story gets batshit. I did not. Yeah, that's the thing. So Kingdom Hearts is like, I've got this love-hate relationship with it, right? Like, I adored the first game with all of my heart. Like, even if its mechanics, its gameplay mechanics aren't perfect, it's a simple enough story and it's cute and it's like, oh, it's about light and dark and Disney characters and sometimes Final Fantasy characters show up. And like when I was a kid and I'm reading these magazines, I'm like, no, why are we mixing Disney with Final Fantasy? This doesn't make any sense. And then I played it and I was like, oh, my God, it works. It's amazing. It, it was incredible. And and it's just this real cute story. Great. Loved it. Loved it to pieces. Then Chain of Memories came out, and I was like, "Well, this is good filler for when two's supposed to come out, I guess." Like, I don't love it, but you know, you know, it's just filler. It's just this Game Boy game. It's whatever. This Game Boy Advance game.
4: <laughs>
3: and then Kingdom Hearts 2 comes out, and its gameplay is really freaking good. But yeah, that's where the narrative begins to go a little bonkers.
1: And it, it's funny because out of all the stories that go bad shit, Kingdom Hearts 2 is probably the easiest to understand of the right. bad shit stories.
3: <laughs> and then come all the spin-offs, and I'm thinking to myself, well, where's three? I don't want to play the spin-offs. I just want to get to three. Then they start talking oh. about making three, and Tetsuya Nomura's over here like, Nah, you need to play all the spin-offs if you want to play three. And I'm like, Why? Why have you done this? Then I find out that there's like multiple Soras and one of them is a computer and then you Sora can go inside himself in the computer and I'm like, why? Why?
1: <laughs> this is, <laughs> see, this is why I am kind of an ironic fan of Kingdom Hearts on a writing level just because I'm just always curious, how insane is the next game going to get? I don't care about anything that's going on, I just want to see how insane it gets.
3: It looks incredible- It plays, Kingdom Hearts 3's gameplay is super fun. It's incredibly fun. But I was counting on it from the second I heard 3 was going to come out. I was like, it's not going to make any sense. I don't care about a damn thing happening in this game. I legitimately don't. I don't. I don't care who goes by what name or how many X's are in their names or how they came into existence. <laughs> I really don't care. I'm, I'm just going to ride these magical Disneyland rides as a power-up move, and Donald and Goofy are going to heal me badly, and it's going to be a good time. Okay.
2: Uh, well, speaking of, of things that don't make any sense, I watched the first episode of Loki earlier today. mm mm-hmm.
1: I still need to watch it. So <laughs> I watched
3: it. I watched it. I loved it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and this is coming from me being someone who uh, I hate time loops. I hate time travel in media. I, I really don't like it. But if this is gonna be entertaining enough, I'm probably gonna finally just ignore it. I'm gonna ignore the voice in the back of my head trying to make the pieces fit, even though it clearly can't fit. Here's it's the fine, thing
2: for me about about time travel plots is my opinion is always just like the rules are whatever you say they are in this minute, and I my I have long since trained my brain to just accept that.
3: <laughs> I can't I can't do it.
2: It just can't. The, the, the tools of what you need to to make the story do what you tell the story you want, just do it. Like I I couldn't care less at this point about the mechanics of the time travel in your movie. Mm-hmm. but maybe that's just me being super over the like this thing didn't make sense like i think i saw a tweet from nash that was like uh steve's ending emotionally made so much sense but like kind of didn't make sense logically i'm like i don't care if it made sense logically I care yeah that it made sense, sense for the character
0: right it doesn't need to make sense logically you're trying to tell the narrative of a character's journey over an entire movie series i mean, I mean
1: this is It's hard for me to get into time travel stories because there's always going to be that part in my mind that's just going to overthink everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think there's the only time travel story I can think of right off the top of my head where I didn't really spend a lot of time questioning the mechanics of it was probably Steins Gate.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's a, a Back to the Future. I chose I still to like back it. Back to the
1: Future, also, yeah, that I one. i chose gonna bring to
3: that like up. Even though I know it doesn't work. Uh, very technically speaking, by the end of that movie, Marty is in an alternate timeline. It's just, <laughs> He's in a different, entirely different life, Marty. <laughs> yeah, an entirely You're... different timeline. That he doesn't even—he goes to a home he doesn't recognize, quite frankly. So, like, that must suck. Like, Your maybe it is better, but he doesn't know anything anymore. Your family are different people. Your totally. girlfriend's a
2: different totally. person. Your life is a different life. Like, that's horrifying.
0: Yeah. Did you did you happen to play the Back to the Future game?
3: The the Telltale did. games? Yes, yes. I, I played the first part, and I have all the others in a backlog, and I just haven't gotten to them. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: it's It's good. I think, I think obviously since it's an earlier Telltale, like before they really started getting into Walking Dead and, and all those games, I feel like they were still trying to figure things out. I (laughs) played it and I, because I'm a huge Back to the Future fan as well. Um, and I actually think your, your analysis of, of the first movie's ending is a little bit, a tiny bit addressed with this one. Right. Especially with the finale. And I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, because it's like, I know it's an older game, but at this point, I don't want to ruin anyone's enjoyment of oh, it. Oh, no, it,
3: it's cool, it's cool. When I get to it, I'll get to it, and uh, I don't mind spoilers that bad if okay. I'm not sure when I'm going to get to it anyway.
0: Okay, do you mind? Uh, do you,
3: go does for, it, go, mind for it? It. Okay. go for um, it.
0: Okay, I, I love that the ending of the, so Michael J. Fox does appear in the game. At not as Marlet Marty, but as one of the ancestors mm-hmm. of him in in the later episode. Um, but the ending essentially determines that that him and Mar sorry Doc and Marty are always going to be stuck doing adventures essentially and mm-hmm. screwing up their own timelines because at the end everything looks peaceful. Marty gets back home, and then another set of Marty and Doc come through with a DeLorean, followed by another one. And it just, like, like there's at least 10 or 20, like, different versions of them. And it it ends with going, like, this is kind of their own undoing, in a way.
3: Bummer. Well,
2: (laughs) one of my favorite things about Back to the Future is its insistence that all people um, are identical replicas of their ancestors, except, of course, your direct parents. That one you basically look
1: nothing like. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, Biff's entire family is just Thomas F. Wilson. Let's be real. <laughs> right. I mean, Biff is Trump, so.
3: <laughs> too real. Too real.
4: PTSD, I, no. man. <laughs> no,
0: this. The unfortunate thing about, or fortunate thing about this podcast is, at some point in every single episode, we get political. <laughs>
3: It's. I feel like um, anybody who says that they want to just have a good time without politics, um, it's hard living in this time without ever saying something political in one way or another. Maybe I don't. I don't know if it's because I'm older now than I was when I didn't used to think about politics, or if the world really did kind of just go completely batshit insane and uh, just decided, no, we need to talk about politics all the time, because I feel like that's where we're at right now. I don't don't know if I was just ignorant. It's entirely possible 10, 15 years ago I was just an ignorant person, but now I feel like it's just, how do you not see it in front of you constantly?
1: Yeah, like, when I was... Like a few years ago, that's the, like the whole. I did have the whole mindset of, oh, don't want to talk politics, fuck that. But now it's like now, and and keep in mind, I'm not even that fucking old, so— <laughs> right? Like now it's like I'm now, now. Then once I got out of college, I was like, I did kind of care more about it and was like just kind of more aware, I guess you could say.
2: Here's here's the thing. I graduated high school and then started college in 2016.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: My entire adult life has just been there. <laughs> oh,
0: so you, yeah. didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't never... get, you didn't get college during the Obama years like I did.
2: No, all four years of college was the Trump administration. So, oh. and I was living in San Francisco. So I like, I, I was I, I, nothing but politics my
3: entire adult life living through those last four years you you can't help it that's not your fault you know right right
0: i have a funny story about election night actually in 2016 um i was on my college campus um i'm not gonna say where so you fuckers won't search me um <laughs> um but i was on my campus and i ha- i was doing an evening class uh since i studied film this was one of my favorite professors we were doing a horror film class and the election results were, like, coming in and flooding in. And by 7 p.m., we kind of knew where shit was going.
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: there was an intense sad sadness over the entire class. And the um, professor was just like, you know, you know, I know this is what's happening right now in the world. Um, Unfortunately, we have to do, uh, I guess we'll have to distract ourselves with another horror show. And we ended up watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So,
4: nice.
0: <laughs> classic film, but watching uh, a bunch of <laughs> murderous—I uh, don't know, like family kill a bunch of people—while my mind was thinking about, "Fuck, we're gonna have four years of this idiot."
3: <laughs> it was—that I... was a weird night. Yeah, I—I yeah. uh, was—I was real bummed out when I, I heard the results. And then I remember I just needed to get out for a drive the next morning. I'm driving in my car through San Antonio, and I'm looking down the streets, and I'm like, everything looks the same, but everything is different this morning. Uh, (laughs) Like, there was just this sense of gloom like the world had totally changed at that moment.
0: Yeah. So
3: my uh, women and gender
2: studies professor gave us the day off class. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god.
4: Um,
2: and I so I was sitting in my college freshman dorm and it was insanity. I was on the LGBTQ floor too, so it was like it was it was not good. People were freaking the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. I yeah. remember
1: like the the day I had classes after the um after the 2016 election, I remember there was just kind of this somber feeling like this kind of feeling of defeat in classes. And um, I went to my first one, but then I found out like in the second class, like the teacher was just scolding students about like how we, how we apparently fucked up the election. It's like, I'm not going to that because I, because I didn't vote for the fucker. So So it's like, if you're going to scold me, at least scold me for something I fucking did. So
0: (laughs) I, I, I remember that being specifically rough because twenty sixteen was the year that I've discovered or not discovered, it was always fucking there, but really came to terms with my gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um and I was still dealing with being afraid to be out and mm-hmm. telling people about who I was, in addition to reeling from was so twenty sixteen was the pulse shooting, correct?
3: That sounds accurate,
0: yeah. Okay. So, imagine coming to, not to get too summer, but imagine coming to terms of your reality while also seeing a very visceral sign of how the world hates you and people like you. Um, You know, it was, was, and then, of course, the election. It was a little bit much. Um, So, it's why I didn't come out until three months ago. (laughs) Officially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. outside of just being on, on online. Um, so anyway, we've 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 gone past this. Things, <laughs> things will maybe be better. I don't know. We need to fucking get our shit together. For um sure. <laughs> And I think since we're on this sort of topic, I think we can talk about the other things that's been happening that's not Trump related. Actually, you know what? It is Trump not related because it's part of it. Right. (laughs) Something that's been happening in the uh, anime community
3: Mm -hmm.
0: for the last two or so years. Um, It never fucking ends. It never ends. Um, It never ends. I think all the people listening who are just listening to get to this are finally going like, fucking finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, we can talk about the, the thing... And I wanted to say, Kaylin, obviously um, there was so much negativity thrown your way. And I wanted to say from my heart that I'm genuinely sorry at everything that you've been put through. You know, it always well, breaks my heart when I see those tweets and stuff.
3: Well, I appreciate that. And um, it's it's interesting that, you know, as time goes on, maybe I bring more attention to it than I necessarily need to. But uh, maybe I make it look worse than it actually is. It doesn't nearly come at me as hard as it once did. Um, so the backstory there being, um, I, I decided to also voice my opinions on a voice actor that for years had had some pretty credible accusations lobbied against him uh, about... just harassment, uh, potentially assault, and or worse. And uh, just in general, doing, just kind of being a douchebag when the grand uh, scope of his biggest fans are not looking. Um, And I I just kind of threw my support out there into the ether uh, behind hundreds of other people who were already doing it. Mm -hmm. And... uh, (laughs) maybe i'm the idiot that decided maybe maybe i should give it a hashtag because maybe these people need to like find each other maybe we need to be able to to see where all these stories are and what all these people are saying just how widespread is this and like nothing i ever say in in the form of a hashtag ever takes off and it happened that this was the one time (laughs) the one stupid time that it actually kind of took off. And, um, you know, I expected some backlash. I expected, of course, dude's biggest fans. um, Guess we'll go ahead and just drop uh, Vic Mignana. his biggest fans. And he had a lot of fans. He wasn't a a big name voice actor for no reason. Um, I think... I think people, when they say, oh, he wasn't even that good of a voice actor to begin with, I don't necessarily think that that's fair. Um, I don't think he would have gotten as far as he did if he wasn't a good actor. Uh, I think he's very recognizable every time you hear him. I think he's he doesn't really have a Rolodex of voices, but uh, I don't think he's bad. Uh, and I think he's a very he can be a very charming dude in person, especially. He he makes you feel real good in person. So I, I 100% see how he got this big-ass fan base, real just enormous fan base of mostly, not all, but mostly young women, uh, young adult women, some teen to tween women, uh, girls, really, at that point, girls. Um, and I expected backlash from them, right? And I had just gotten backlash the year prior because of channel awesome related stuff and i was like i this i can handle fine um i don't know that i was prepared for the dudes who are constantly out to start culture wars mm. to jump on and latch onto it and turn vic into the poster child of the oh well he's just getting attacked because he's a cis het white christian male dude uh which is not it's just not what reality is at all Mm -hmm.
0: i um yeah the so i wanted to also bring up uh your your video that you just put out um and i wanted to say that it was uh, excellent (laughs) and it said a lot of things thank you yeah it said a lot of things that we all know to be true and you were speaking to an experience i think we've all kind of understood Mm -hmm. um and a reality that I've been really frustrated with is the industry that has become of what I would call hate grifting on YouTube as a platform. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and um, I, I, I'm, aii I mean, I, I was surprised by the way Vic became this giant poster boy mm-hmm. for all that. But at the same time, I also am not surprised because I've seen the writings on the wall for this like, sort of behavior, whether we can go all the way back to Gamergate.
3: Oh, yeah, easily. Um, I don't know if you've watched, for example, uh, what is the name of this Q documentary that has gone up on HBO Max? It's, like, six episodes long. I have it's not QAnon. seen it yet. So saw, yeah. th- that documentary details, like, the guy who made the documentary is basically mm-hmm. trying to find the origins of Q uh, and basically, hopefully, determine who Q is. And by the end of it, he thinks he's basically got an idea of who, involved with 8chan, is currently masquerading as Q. Uh, but that having been said, um, that entire culture uh, is is crazy. It, it's, it's amazing that it, it traces it all the way back, again, to Gamergate. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. the idea that um, these reactionaries have decided uh, the form of memes and the form of uh, going into video games to try and stir up a culture war uh, and to aim at young people who are still pretty impressionable uh, to get them on your side as far as culture war related stuff is concerned. Uh, We don't want... The gays and the trans and the blacks and, like, just really horrible shit, you know, Mm -hmm. just the worst shit ever. Uh, And you get them while they're young, and you get them in the pieces of media that they really love. You get them through video games, you get them through comics, you get them through Star Wars, and then, boom, of course, that's a direct pipeline into other things. Like, now we've reached anime. They really tried to make anime-gate into a thing. I don't know if the term really exploded in popularity the way they wanted it to, but they tried. They really tried.
0: It's definitely not as prominent as, obviously, Gamergate or even Comicsgate, you know? Right. I think the... I see the more prevalent ISWV for the VIC stuff. mm mm-hmm. um, I see that a little bit more, but I just call them VIC stands essentially, at that point. But even if they're not... Like, I... I is there anything you wanted to add, Lizzie? I'm sorry, I just saw your face and I was just like you looked like you want to say no. something.
2: Um just that I feel even Comicsgate, I think when, and like the mainstream public. My mom knows what vaguely what Gamergate was. They made an SVU episode based on Gamergate. I don't think Oh Comicsgate, it was embarrassing. That was was,
3: episode yeah. kind of embarrassing I know. It's not good. It's just I just
1: <laughs> it's just that it made it all the
3: right. way into the public eye, and yeah. uh, Anita Sarkeesian that- made it onto Stephen Colbert. You know, yeah. In a way that I don't think Comicsgate
2: ever, ever did. Comicsgate, I think, was so much more self-contained on the internet.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that, and I would agree that the um, the Comicsgate people who keep perpetrating the idea that this is even a thing that needs to be fought for. Um, It's even dwindled from when it was at its peak, so it never really got very far. Um, Mm -hmm. It still kind of hangs around, uh, but I also feel like that's how we got to anime-related stuff, because the Comicsgate people then latched on to Vic. And it was funny, like, I listened to one YouTuber who directly is related to Comicsgate, as well as to, um, uh, we were just talking about the Star Wars, what do they call themselves? So oh, the, the Fandom, Fandom Menace, Menace. The Fandom Menace. A Fandom Menace and gate YouTuber comes on and starts talking about Vic, and he just openly admits, Now, I don't watch a lot of anime. I, I don't really know Vic. I, he shows up at some conventions sometimes. Uh, he's a cool-looking dude. He's got great hair, and he's got great clothes, and, and it's
1: amazing uh, how many people who go up to bat for Vic don't even, like, fucking know him, the industry, or anything right, about
3: him. Right. I, I uh, just, totally understand.
2: I mean, a, a man was accused of sexual assault. I must run to his defense. Exactly,
3: exactly. And, in fact, this same person uh, says towards the end of his video, like— um and by the way, Vic, this isn't even about you. So we're going to do this whether you want us to do this or not, because this is about a bigger picture outside of you. This is about a culture war, and we must stop it now before it gets any farther, blah, blah, blah. So they straight up admit it's it's not even about Vic. He is just the vehicle mm-hmm. in which they are using... Uh, the idea of a culture war it's just and it's tearing it's just tearing the community apart um because people have decided that youtubers who don't even work in the industry uh are more reliable than people who are fans of anime that also work in the industry uh, telling you exactly what the industry is like um it's it's incredible just incredible it's
1: it, it, yeah, and it's funny to me that you know they'll always like it's even if they didn't outright admit it, it's obviously they're not they're not even saying this shit like for the sake of Vic anymore. Just more, they just want to speak out against people who are set who are saying they want to speak out against people who are trying to get justice for something bad that happened. Like just people like basically going get, like the people defending Vic. They're not, it's not so much about him; it's about attacking. His victims, basically.
3: Exactly. Victims and anybody else who has decided, um, yeah, of course we don't want more people to be victimized. That makes sense. And if you say even that much, they'll come for you. And and I hope all of you guys also here on the podcast right now are um, are safe once this podcast goes up because people are going to be listening to it Uh just for me personally, I, and then anybody else associated, I always get so worried that the people I associate basically get my splash damage.
1: <laughs> I already like I already get shit from Vic stands. I already have, like I said, like I said before the podcast, I got I got doxed twice with the wrong address, but still twice.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, yesterday, I had like for like three hours people fighting in my Twitter mentions. Because I said I liked the queer characters in Doom Patrol.
4: Oh no! Like I don't.
0: I I was there.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not worried. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. I. I mean, to to be honest, I already get shit because I'm trans and open about it on Twitter. Like <laughs> they're, they're already going to they're already going to go go after me. I once said that, and I told Tony this last week. I once said that. Um. That I wasn't, I was not excited for the release of the Zack Snyder's Justice League because of the fucking discourse that it's, that's it's that been around it. Sure. And I, I'm just saying, I, it just makes everything less fun. Like, not long after I tweeted that, it was transphobia. It was media.
1: God,
3: was I'm like, so sorry. Yeah, it's it like... The
1: same people, like, and I wanted to bring this up, the same people who will defend Vic and say, oh, he's not homophobic or transphobic, what the fuck are you talking about, are the same people who will shout homophobic and transphobic slurs toward my ass, Right, so. right, and, right. and they well. want to
3: scream about, um, uh, he's just a great, perfect Christian man, bitch. Whoa, okay. So if you want to prop yourself <laughs> up as being a follower of Christ. You're not doing a very good job of it, so Jesus Christ famous
2: for calling women bitches, yeah
1: it's it's yeah, like, and I remember there was one where like, um they posted a few of my photos from Twitter on um Kiwi farms, and they were like, "Is this what women are now? Is this what femininity is? I'm embarrassed, and I'm like, and and my only thought was, bitch you jealous. <laughs>
3: But you make a good point about um, the Zack Snyder Justice League. Like I yeah. took the the day it came out, uh, and I was sitting and watching it on HBO Max, uh, and I just took a photo of myself about to hit the start button, um, and really just looking at the length of time of that, the runtime of that movie, wow. and I just I think I think the only thing I said was, oh no, that was it. Like I posted the photo and I said, oh no. Snyder fans. Immediately. Immediately. We heard you say something about this movie.
2: Just they were just there. I I have still not watched the Snyder Cut, which bums me I love director's cuts. Yeah. I always say they're whether or not they're better or worse, I just always find them super interesting from right. like a film academic standpoint. I just find it I I love director's cuts. I find them so interesting. I would have been way more interested in this if they hadn't funneled the bunch of new money into it if we could have just gotten like Zack snyder's work print i would have found way more interesting. yeah
0: that's that's pretty i think that would have
2: been fascinating i, I agree I, I, I but
0: just,
1: but I this
2: is just i don't how long did it end up being was it four hours three four that's hours whole, yeah, yeah four Probably hours
1: four hours near like it neared that mark
2: i don't want to do that and like I know, I, I i'm also also not person to complain about long run times if this is the time that you you think it takes for your story to be told correctly, then that's the amount of time it takes. No, no, Zack Snyder, your movie
3: about <laughs> Superman and the Flash does not Dude. need four hours. That's that is the thing. I actually um, did not totally dislike the movie. Uh, I I hated the discord around it. Just uh, like you were saying before. But um, by the time I sat down and watched it, I thought, you know what, maybe it is a slightly better movie than the original cut, but that comes with caveats, because in that movie, you tell a pretty competent Flash and... um, uh, Who else am I thinking of? Cyborg? Cyborg, yeah. You tell a pretty competent Flash and Cyborg separate movies they should have absolutely been their own movies. And then we would have been ready for a Justice League movie, and then we wouldn't have needed this four-hour long drudge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it could have been great. It was better, but it could have been great had it been built correctly from the beginning. Well, it was DC and
2: Warner Brothers trying so very, very hard to copy Marvel. Yeah, they're trying to play catch up, which it's trying to play catch up, which is just not a good idea. Here's the thing: I love the Marvel movies. Um, if I haven't, and I'm actually not one to be like really, really angry about its effect on the film industry, like the, at mm-hmm. least the MCU specifically. But if there's an issue with it for me, it's that no, build more cinematic universes, but you don't have to be trying to copy and paste Marvel. Like you're right. gonna be most successful when you're finding your own way to do it. Like even right. if you just look at the DC movies, all of the best ones are the ones that aren't actively trying to be a specific Marvel movie. Right. right. right.
1: Like, like Birds just... of Prey
2: and, and Aquaman are the best, and there's no like direct like th- that's because and Shazam. Those are the three best DC movies
3: because I was I was shocked at how much I enjoyed Shazam. I was even surprised by how much I liked Aquaman. I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna be this this sludge fest too, and it ended up being actually kind of fun. Yeah,
1: it's like once Justice League was done, they kind of just focused on the individual movies and how they worked rather than how they connected. And the movies, for the most part, were better. So it's it's I Warner agree.
0: Brothers giving giving um I noticed it was Warner Brothers taking their successful horror directors and giving them money to 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 explore other genres. Like with um Aquaman, it was, it was James, James Wan. Wan. And uh, Shazam, it was David F. Sandberg who did lights out and Creation yeah. as well um yeah uh, and I,
2: but, I loved i loved those movies so much interesting yeah. aquaman would have been such like i i loved it when it came out but like if that movie had existed when i was like nine and like deep in my mermaid phase oh, oh, i would have oh, sucked for that movie so hard and i tried to make that like i feel like no one else was talking about this about how no this is a movie for little girls like little girls are gonna love them out of this movie, <laughs> um,
0: and yeah, I, like
1: I loved it, it was great, but yeah, like all the like I think out of all the movies that came out since the original Justice League cut, not counting the director's cut, not counting the new mm-hmm. Justice League, but I think out of all the DC films that came out since Justice League. I think I only disliked one, and that was Wonder Woman eight, and that was the Wonder Woman sequel. I wasn't big on that. Eighty six or
3: eighty four, yeah. 84, yeah, I wasn't too I, big on that.
1: I wasn't too big on that one, and even then, I didn't hate it. I was just like, it eh, didn't work for me. <laughs>
3: I actually I think, still
2: haven't seen Wonder Woman 1984. I would need to so that I can have an opinion on the, in the conversation, but I just didn't hear good things, and that made me sad.
3: I mean, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, but certainly by comparison to the film that came before it. um, yeah. The film that came before it was a more monumentally, oh, we needed this movie. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I remember sitting in the theater for the first one, uh, and then that scene happens where she runs out into the the battlefield no man. you know no man's um, land out in the no man's land and um I didn't know I needed it and I I didn't even realize I had started crying and uh I just I didn't know like I think some people who who talk about feminism um or maybe don't even think about feminism right uh, they think oh I don't need to talk about feminism I think I'm kind of okay actually things are going pretty okay for me if you're privileged enough um, mm-hmm. you know me being a, a white woman uh, I have a, a, being a straight white woman I have some privilege but uh, then she gets up on into no man's land and it felt like not necessarily that she took on the entire war but at the very least that she forged a path, so that everybody else could follow her lead. And I realized, oh my God, I needed to see a woman do this. And I didn't even know I needed to see it because I hadn't seen much like it before, you know? Uh, And you don't realize until you see somebody that you think aligns more closely to you that you need it. And so if that's how I felt with Wonder Woman, how much more uh, do members of the LGBT community or um, people of color of black people, Asian people also equally need that kind of representation to feel that same way. How much more do they need it? Probably much more than I do.
0: Right. Yeah. It's no, you're, you're 100% correct in that. Uh, Representation matters. Mm
4: -hmm. Like
0: it, like you, when you're part of a marginalized community, um you 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 realize that these characters mean so much to you. Like they they represent your being seen and heard for the first time. Right. For a lot of you. Right? So that's why like, you know, I've been I've been huge on anything trans related. I've been a huge fan of pose, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Seeing that's that, that storyline is is moving to me you know because it's like you know it's trans people playing trans people not having a cis actor come in and try and do the whole man in a dress thing
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: that's that's harmful it's it was that that show is powerful because it's trans women playing trans women and Mm -hmm. dealing with the issues that we face from a perspective written and often directed by trans women as well so especially trans women of color Mm -hmm. um so that's just my experience i don't know what you all felt or what sort of i guess thing that you felt or you felt seen through the media or media or representation or but i do think that's so crucial Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. well my favorite scene in the entire mcu is actually that I'm I'm just a girl fight in Captain Marvel. Mm, yeah. And there's a lot of reasons, for that. people call that scene cringy, and I'm always like, so you you just hate fun. But <laughs> but I, also I mean I like, like
1: cringy shit. But
2: <laughs> that movie came out um on the weekend of my 21st birthday, and also my grandmother died. Oh <laughs> no. It? So it was like just a very emotional experience to see that to have this thing that made me feel so happy. Um, when I was just this complex stream of emotions that. Right. Right. So I'm having, I just had this huge emotional attachment to that scene in particular in that movie. Mm
1: -hmm. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say I have an emotional attachment to this particular movie, but just more the memory of it. Like, um, before, right before the pandemic started and everything went to shit. Um, I got a group of friends together to go see Birds of Prey. I saw it in a group comprised of mostly gay and, of mostly gay and trans friends, one straight guy. <laughs> we have our token straight. Always have to have the token straight. No queer
2: group of friends is complete without the token straight.
1: <laughs> right. And it was a blast because it was just this dumb fun movie that was <laughs> Yeah, Birds of Prey is super fun. We were all just enjoying because it's... Birds of Prey is not a masterpiece, but I fucking love it just because it's so fun just to see with friends. And also, I hope they go somewhere with a bisexual Harley Quinn, please!
2: (laughs) Marco Robbie is fighting for it. She keeps talking about how she's fighting really, really hard at DC to get Poison Ivy into
3: a movie. Just to have... Just to have Harley Quinn be in a relationship where she's just not getting abused all the time oh. is, would be incredible.
0: Yeah, the Harley-Ivy romance thing is is is, an, is 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 incredible. Sorry, I was right. stu- I, stumbling over my words there. Jesus. <laughs>
2: have we all seen the – I think I've asked this before, so sorry for forgetting your guys' answers. But have we all seen the Harley Quinn show on
0: – Yes.
3: Mid-season show? two.
0: Mid-season two. I just watched an episode before we did this, actually. Are we
3: talking about the uh, the animated series? Yes. Or...
0: yes.
3: So, yeah, I did. Uh, I watched the whole first season and I was doing, I was writing closed captions at the time for a few episodes in season two. And I haven't finished season two. But, uh, yeah, it's great. It's I such a fun series. Fucking love
2: that show. And it, I, what I loved most about it is that with everything I needed. you need to do with Harley Quinn from this point forward. I'm I remember when Suicide Squad first came out and before it had actually came out, there was a lot of people who were like, why is the Joker here at all? Why can't we? And I was like, I don't want to skip that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to skip her relationship with the Joker. But I want you, I I do want DC writers in the film and the TV and stuff to realize that her story doesn't end with the Joker. Right. So that was my thing. I just loved that the show was like, so. What does Harley do after the Joker? And we get to see that, mm-hmm. and we get to see her rebound, and we get to see her go back to him, and we get to see the back, like her he- actual, like a healing process.
4: Because
2: mm-hmm. leaving an abusive relationship is not as simple as just like, okay, fuck you, bye.
3: Right. It's it, if someone who's been abused will often try to leave their abuser upwards of seven times before they successfully do it. Yeah, uh, it's, um, it's awful. It's just awful.
1: Like, so I watched Harley Quinn at like this entire series. Like I binged through it earlier this year and I think I needed it. So I've been open about this on social media. I don't think I, I'm not sure if I ever mentioned this on a podcast, but at the beginning of this year, I left a friendship with a person who I used to be in a relationship with that was very abusive on her part,
4: which Mm. turned
1: to an abusive friendship when I tried to keep things together after the relationship was over. Mm. And I really needed the first season of Harley Quinn because it was oddly, it, it, because I, there was something in me that was beating myself up for not leaving this relationship sooner. It was doing nothing for me. It did far more damage to me than it, than it would have if I had just left earlier. Mm -hmm. So there was something nice about having a character that went through a similar struggle that, where she, like, and it just spoke to me, you know? Of course, yeah. Like,
3: and that definitely is is not your fault for not having gotten out sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've experienced similar things, too. Or it just took forever. Like, like, there was a set of patterns that, like, I was aware of it for a while, um, but also scared of... Uh, well, what happens to my life that I've built around this person? Uh, what happens to the circle of friends that we both mutually have together now? Uh, what about my financial situation? Like, it's it's not that easy. It's so scary. Um, and then, yeah, once you're out of it, then it's like the fog lifts. Uh, but it's really hard to see through at the moment when you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um Personally,
2: ending any kind of a relationship that's toxic is really, really hard,
4: mm-hmm. especially
2: when you're so ingrain- in, in, ingrained in that, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, when it's so uh, crucial to your life um, that it's not just going to affect the two of you. We've got all these other people around you. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's this part of you that doesn't like you don't want to talk shit about this person, no matter how much they hurt you. There's always this part of you that's like, I don't want to ruin their relationship to everybody else. Right. And that's I think one of the hardest things to deal with is you need is making decisions where way or the other about who you are and are not going to express your problems to. hmm
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. It's... That
2: ma- didn't make sense.
3: That was a lot of talking.
1: No, 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 no. I-, I got what you. I got what you were saying. Well, on top uh, of
3: that, too, when you're talking about this whole group of friends, um, sometimes your friends are gonna pick and choose who they decide they want to side with, and sometimes they haven't been made privy to just how bad the abuse might have been, and they might not have ever seen it, uh, and they just think that this other person was really good to them. So, uh, they don't want to turn their back on them, but then you come to realize, well, I guess that means that it's a shame, but it also means I have to start making a new group of friends or I can only rely on these particular friends, uh, cause I can't, I, I can't go back to the group of friends that continue support to support the abuser. Uh, it sucks. It's, it's a horrible position to be put in. Um, but you do get through it, you know, um, it sucks that we go through cycles of friendship that way. I talk like I'm some really old person and and i i am I'm pretty positive I'm older than the other members here, but uh, you learn quite a lot in a small span of time when your entire circle is like around this one person and then all of the people that the both of you know at the same time.
1: Mm. I think I was rather fortunate in that regard because we only had a few mutual friends between us and pretty much all of them figured something something happened.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were
1: just waiting for me to open up about it. Like and so they were pretty quick to believe me when I said, yeah, the relationship was abusive and when I tried da- like bring it down to just a friendship the the abuse never stopped. So
3: yeah, yeah. well, it's good to know that they were good enough for you and there for you when you needed them.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of want to take this moment to say that I don't know who's listening, but I'm sure someone out there might be in the middle of this or <laughs> feeling this way right now. And I guess I just want to say that you're not alone. People have dealt with this, and mm-hmm. you're stronger than you think you are.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: 100%. Yeah. yeah.
3: If you I, don't get out immediately, you know, that's not your fault. And, uh, you're going to make it through it no matter what you choose to do.
0: Um, <laughs> I guess connecting this, I, since I came out to like everyone this year, um, I was terrified and I'm not saying that it's anything like in a being in an abusive relationship or real abusive thing, but I would say the way that I was holding myself back out of fear of legitimate fear for sure. But fear was abusive towards myself. And I feel like other people might be in that situation as well, where your own fear or, you know, is toxic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a good indicator of, fear is a great indicator of how you should be cautious about things, but it's not always accurate and Mm -hmm. it's not always what the truth really is. So me being finally open with who I am, with my family, with work, um, it's so much better. Yeah. Um, just, it's, it's, I've, it's just infinitely better. It's better to be honest with yourself and to be honest with the people around you and to, to find your path and push through even if it doesn't feel like you'll make it through the other side you can
3: I is think... it is it accurate to say the thing that i've always heard uh that i've always heard out of anyone who's been coming out is after some time it does get better would you say that that's accurate for you also
0: um i mean uh so I, I, since I am so, so new to coming out, I guess, it is getting... I mean, initially, it wasn't super easy, but it's been getting easier and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, this last two weeks, I came out at work, and I was scared of doing that because I know the rates of trans people being fired or abused in mm-hmm. workspaces, especially since um, yeah, I'm... You know, I don't know. I don't ever put like real pictures of myself on Twitter. Um, but I'm not like presenting, mm-hmm. you know, in the ways that I necessarily want to. And when you come out, I think it's, it's harder when you're not presenting because I feel like people won't look at me like take me seriously. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand that gender expression is separate from gender identity mm-hmm. and i know that a mutable fact but not everyone does right and i think navigating that space for me is still a challenge um but i think as every day goes by living with the reality is getting better and it's it's like it's just being open and honest about it is like a huge weight has been off my chest that I was carrying around for five years. Well, it's good that
3: you've at least reached that point, you know? I can only hope that it continues to improve, uh, that hopefully, I I know that as a a country, we've seen uh, a lot of really terrible legislation trying Mm -hmm. to get pushed forward, uh, but we've also seen a lot of people pushing back and realizing this is awful, uh, so I can only hope that as time moves forward, we as a society can just kind of push back against uh, hateful, not just legislation, but the the mindset of people who even try to bring forth that kind of legislation in the first place. So that slowly but surely, uh, people can just accept one another for exactly who they are and exactly who they know themselves to be. hmm
0: yeah, I think trusting people in their knowledge of who they are is so crucial. And I feel like we want to, or at least I guess it's like society has taught us to label people a certain way mm-hmm. and to interact with them based on those predetermined labels that you expect them to be. So, right. trans people like myself, you know, obviously like Jazzy, mm-hmm. uh, we push against. We are inherently, because of who we are and stuff that we never chose to be, are pushing against the preconceived notions of people, and that's
1: scary to some. I think.
3: Yeah, of course it would yeah. be. It's, yeah.
1: It's extremely stressful as well. I mean, I lost, I lost my last job due to the fact that the manager was a transphobic prick. So. Oh,
3: that's awful.
1: I'm yeah. So, so, and it's been, it's just been, and it always just, I. I'm the type of person who, if you see me anywhere, you know I'm the type of person to try and laugh off this shit. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, fuck em. I don't need – I don't need But, like, there's always going to be a part of me that's always like, this actually kind of fucking hurts, you know?
3: Right. Exactly. Uh, and I don't know if they're doing it knowing it's going to hurt and they're okay with hurting you or mm. if they're just so – scared because that's what the phobia is it's fear of something they don't understand um that they're just not even thinking about how it makes you feel they're just thinking about themselves Uh, either way it's awful
4: yeah
0: and i'm you know yeah you you don't you don't experience it and necessarily the same thing that us we do but i've but the fact that i've seen you deal with such hatred and stuff online kind of like buys into that that fear that people have of what they have as perceived changings of what their perception of reality is
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so i feel like that ties in in some regard which leads to obviously white supremacy and uh you know misogyny and all the all the all the really good biases out there
3: (laughs) All the the men I'll going their in. own way, dudes.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my God.
4: <laughs> you know.
2: I don't know how it is that MGTOW is so funny to me in comparison to, like, any other of the men's rights. or Something about MGTOW is just especially hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I would say, if I could say, in regards to uh, the process of coming out getting easier... I came out to my mom when I was 15, and it went not awesome Mm. uh, to the point that I just proceeded to not talk about it for four more years around her. And then when I posted a picture at Pride, she basically reacted as if I'd never told her. And that was really frustrating. Yeah. And then this year, at the beginning, on the first day of June, my mom said Happy Pride Month to me, which is not a thing I ever, ever thought I'd ever hear from her. So my, my... my take on that is that it does tend things get better. The people that love you will
3: will make the effort to make it better.
4: Yes, well, that's I agree good with to that. hear.
3: I'm so glad. Um, I I can't say that I've ever had that same amount of struggle. You know, I, I identify as straight, but mm. I also identify as demisexual, um, and I just don't feel like my struggles are of the same weight. Uh, in any way as those that say they identify as LGBT. Uh, And I know that people always say, oh, well, if you're anywhere in the ace spectrum, uh, you're also welcome here too. Um, And and I get that. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable like associating myself, uh, trying to to say, hey, me too, let me join too, when I, I know I don't face the same sort of discrimination that lots and lots and lots of other people do like I go about my day-to-day life and I don't think about it nobody else thinks about it um and so I I just want to say that uh any of you going through anything that you've had to, just having to come out to anybody is is such a big deal and then wondering how that's going to change your life um the fact that you decide to do it at all to say, no, I need to be truthful to myself and I need to present myself truthfully to other people Uh, is amazing. What an amazing experience. And to uh, decide to do it as a a young adult or an adult, um, what a scary time in your life to do it too. Mm. I have a person who is very,
2: very important. Uh, to me in my life and she's older and not on social media so I have not I've very easily been able to not let her uh, know that I was queer for the last eight years and I've Mm -hmm. been going back and forth on if I want to tell her this year and I'm very scared to do it because she's Mormon and I have no what she would think of it
4: Mm. but I
2: also know that she loves me and she cares about me. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring that out in the process of figuring that out right now.
3: Yeah. I imagine it's a nonstop, uh, set of decisions that you make, you know, uh, in regards to your relationships your friendships, uh, your, your working relationships in business and day to day life, uh, you obviously want to be most accurate and true to yourself, but there's always a fear of of what somebody else is going to think about me. And especially if it's somebody that you've known forever, but they've known you without knowing this particular aspect of you. Uh, How are they going to think of me when I, when I finally tell them and you can only hope that the person has loved you so much that nothing would change how much they love you. I certainly hope that that is the case with you, too.
2: Thank you. I We yeah. we, we, will, we will see how that particular situation plays out. I'm very yeah. scared about it, honestly.
4: Uh, I don't we talking, blame you. We
2: were talking about it, and I haven't talked about this out loud to anybody yet, and so I was like, I'm going to talk about it now.
3: I'm sorry. No,
2: I'm sorry if we no, pulled that out. You didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to dump it on you.
0: No, Lizzie. You know we're family. Like you can always reach out to me. I really care about you. Just if if you plan to do this like you can talk to me any day. Like seriously. Like I know we're doing this in the middle of a fucking podcast, but I just <laughs> I I I, genu- I I genuinely feel feel this way. Like, you know. So just, you know, you have me. For sure.
4: I
2: know. Thank you, Crystal. Thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm always always around you if you need to. If you need help. If you need help. Me too.
3: Me too. You need it. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Kaylin,
1: we got you too.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: No, you've brought out the emotions on this podcast.
3: I didn't mean to. I was just speaking out of honesty and whatever, however the flow felt like it was going. That's what this show
2: is. It's, it's the, whatever the wherever the flow goes.
0: Like next next this podcast is gonna have this serious topic conversation. The next one's just gonna be like sex jokes like the entire time. <laughs> it's that's just kind of how things go.
1: Damn it! Who <laughs> damn it! Who leaked my list for the next time?
0: <laughs> it's just a white paper with make sex jokes like written on it.
1: Boobs and it. boobs
2: and and dick. How That's do we? Four, which
4: four-letter word
1: do we title title that episode? Uh, uh, you'll never guess what four-letter word is on there. Actually,
0: <laughs> is it fuck? Damn
1: it!
2: <laughs> All things are are solvable when Sherlock Holmes is on the
4: case. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. This is, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely was. Kaylin, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, you know, obviously we talked before the show and I said that I didn't want to pull out any sort of things about the Vic incident and all that aftermath. But I feel like talking about this has just been genuinely helpful.
3: I hope so. Um, I can only hope that, um, even if what I've gone through doesn't necessarily directly apply to what somebody else has gone through, I I hope that things that I've gone through help somebody else. Um, Take, for example, I just think dogpiling on the internet, uh, especially from reactionaries trying to fight for some culture war narrative. um, It's becoming more and more common and they love to dogpile on really nobody's. Um, just, just people who say anything publicly out loud, and then the next thing you know, hundreds of thousands of people are shouting at you, and somebody's made a YouTube video about you. They'll make a YouTube video about anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, I think that's horrible. I think that's awful. Um, but, uh, in my case, too, it does get better. You know, two and a half years later, it's not nearly as bad as it once was, and uh, while I was in kind of a bad place in 2019, mentally speaking, you know, I didn't feel so bad that, like, I wanted to die or anything, but I did kind of feel like I do just want to go to sleep and then wake up when it's all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a, That was a pretty bad place to be, but I've made it through two and a half years, and I haven't disappeared, and... I think that's the only way you win is by not going away. Um, and and not everybody's got the fortitude to do that. Like if you need for your own mental health's sake to just go away for a while, lock things down, leave social media for a while, not everybody's built the same. If you need to go off and do that, I think you absolutely should. But it gets better even though the dogpiling hasn't totally stopped. It's definitely not the horror, the hellscape that it was, like, two years ago when it was at its apex. Um, it's better yeah. now than it was before.
2: If people have learned that they're not, they've lost, effectively. Right. Against against you, is that you're not going anywhere, and they're not successfully doing anything that they're attempting to do.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, they they're screaming at the void right now because they have nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and I really do hope some of these people can find a way to pull themselves out of this reactionary mindset.
4: Mm-hmm. Um
0: I think it's a possibility, but I'm not going to hold their hand through it, and I don't expect you to either.
3: Sure, yeah. Um and I think uh because it's it deals with anime Anime, generally speaking, not completely, but generally speaking, has a younger audience. So we're talking uh, teens to early 20s, right? Uh, and a lot of dudes, certainly on the internet, a lot of dudes. Uh, I was looking at a, a college research paper that tried to gauge, well, well, what is the uh, general spread of the metrics of who watches anime, right? Mm-hmm and when they got people to vote on the internet it was like 70 some odd percent dudes and uh, 30 some odd percent women something around there but they go to an anime convention and they poll people and it's almost half and half women are in anime already women make anime women watch anime uh it's, it's we're we're here i'm sorry to say But on the internet, they just get chased right out of these social circles um, by mostly young men. Uh, And so it makes sense that they get attracted to these dudes on YouTube who are going to shout about the industry and about how women and uh, people of color and people of uh, different uh, gender identities or whatever are, are just destroying anime, which is also a lie because anime is growing hand over fist every single year. Um, just ridiculous. But I can recall a time, too, when I was in my early 20s. I don't think I was a great person in my early 20s. Um, I can totally confess to having, like, I, I did go to some 4chan boards from time to time. I would go to M, where they talked about mecha stuff and Toksatsu stuff. And I would go to CGL where they would talk about cosplay and conventions and stuff like that. Uh, And yeah, you see some pretty heinous shit. And you think, oh, people just talk this way or they just share media in this particular way. Um, And I just kind of had to actually meet other real life people in the real world and realize, well, this is actually pretty shitty. So you can only hope that you grow up... um, you grow up you actually meet other human beings in the real world and realize the reality is not what the internet is trying to tell you
0: yes 100%. i think that's
2: the best thing and i realize go outside and touch grass is a very it's gotten a very become a condescending like thing to say to people but i really do think the best thing that can be done for a lot of the young kids getting radicalized on the internet and you know, what, honestly, the same thing—not that these are equivalent issues, but the same thing, kind of like the very young Gen Z tender queers that get very, very sensitive about stuff. The best thing any of you can do is go outside and talk to real people,
4: right?
3: And not
2: not live on in your bubble on the internet, where everything is just a self feeding
3: circle. Mm-hmm. Meet other people who maybe like the same thing you do, but maybe they don't look like you. Maybe they weren't raised like you. Um, They've got other stuff going on in their real world lives. And uh, you come to realize you're all kind of aiming for the same thing, despite how different each one of you may be. Uh, That's really what kind of changed me was thankfully having a good circle of friends who who kind of course corrected me because i I legitimately don't think i was a good person in my early 20s i'm not even gonna lie um it's
0: okay i don't think so either
3: (laughs) i'm still here so
2: um we'll see
0: lizzie you're already amazing you're just gonna get even more amazing
2: that's nice (laughs) it's nice of you to say
0: i'm just saying the truth
2: I think I've grown a lot in the last year as a person, to be completely honest. I don't feel like the same person now that I was a year ago. And I guess everybody, that's true for everybody, but I, I very much feel much more
3: like an adult now than I did a year ago.
4: Mhm.
3: I think by the time uh, you hit 25, like it's pretty amazing how I hit 25 and I realized who I was and where I wanted to be. And, and it, you think, that, wow, that sounds like that takes so long and then you hear statistics like oh well the brain finally hits maturity at age 25 and I'm like ah that's why I finally figured out oh I went through these really shitty growing pains as an adult being a shitty adult yeah. and uh, yeah because I'm that's, 25 that's what now it and I've
1: had those moments where it was like wow I was fucking awful a few years yeah, ago yeah
3: yeah yeah and yeah and so to that extent I have a certain level of Both understanding and um, I I can waive some level of forgiveness for shitty behavior up until approximately that point. And then once you realize, oh, man, I sure do need to be a better human being. um, If you've made that active decision and you 180 yourself, God bless you. Thank God you've figured out what you need to do.
2: I actually have a super relevant, like current uh, thing to talk about that's so relevant to this. Mm-hmm. I'm about, I'm about to bring up super young people shit.
4: Um, <laughs>
2: on the tick, on the TikTok, um, there's a creator, um, their, and again, their pronouns are they them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for anybody who wants to interact with this particular portion of the conversation. Um, their, their name is only Jace online, and. They have been the butt end of a lot of controversies the last couple months. Um, uh, Leak screenshots of them saying they're 21. The mm-hmm. um, Leak screenshots of them saying the n word, followed by like you know a pretty typical like Notes app style YouTuber apology. white uh, YouTuber yeah. YouTuber apology.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and then just kind of on and on with that. Um, Is just continuously saying and doing dumb things like that. I guess that they gave a life hack that was functionally insurance fraud. It was like, tell on your insurance, check yourself off as if you're a man, you should check yourself off as a woman or non binary, and then your insurance rates will be lower. And just like a lot. And most recently, I think what they did is they made a joke about um, robbing a disabled person. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, so it's just this person, they're just making like horrible decisions one after the other. And I've seen a lot of people try and give the empathetic approach of they are 21 and you're not helping them improve as people, people,
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: um, as a person when you're doing this. And the way we, I guess the way TikTok kind of responds to them is, and I agree, is not helpful, is not productive, is largely very sarcastic and very mean, um, but at the same time I think 21 is old enough to be criticized for your behavior that's happening in real time. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I think it's complicated. I think when you're dealing with people under like under 25 who have these massive platforms and trying to figure out where the balancing act between how much space do we still need to give them to grow as a person but also how much are they an adult now who has to buck up and be responsible for the things they say and do like it's,
0: it's i think there's 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 a mm-hmm. great way to blend both like thoughts into one you know people can still be responsible for the actions they do but there's also a level of understanding that this person is not old enough well they are but you're not they're not they're not maybe at the point of full maturity yet.
3: they're not done yet They're not, not they 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 don't um, necessarily think all the way to end game with the things that they decide to say or do. Um, So I feel like part of growing up is fucking up, right? And sometimes you fuck up really, really publicly. And and so when the public comes to tell you, hey, you fucked up, um, that's, I think it's okay to tell an adult, hey, you fucked up. Even if they're under the age of 25, and you just hope that by the age of 25, they internalized, oh, I guess I did fuck up. Whoops. Uh, and then they choose not to do that anymore after they've done it a few times and they realize this was bad. Oh, man. I really goofed.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, when I realized, you know, my gender identity, I had been hiding it for so long in my life, but, like, I, w- I was 25. It's when I, I made the, uh, I made the understanding like the my brain was like okay you're this way you've always been this way right. you know there's there's no there, shut up about trying to suppress it anymore like there's obvious signs you need to accept it you also need to be better to other people and to change your perspective on things mm-hmm. and I did at 25 coincidentally I guess yeah I, I guess my brain matured but
2: um <laughs> well and I think I, I think you grow and change so. Much. Like, I I don't want to raise the age of adulthood from 18. I think that's a fine age where it's at. Um, But you still grow and change as a person... So much
3: after 18. Yeah. Well, especially like, because the conditions now are uh, not just that you are still growing physically or developing, your brain is developing in any way, but also because your entire life situation is changing at that point. You, you either are going to college or you're jumping straight into work uh, and your your entire life is different than your entire life home school life was for decades, for almost two decades before that, um, you don't know who you are in the real world yet, uh, and that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how old you are, just what experiences you have and have not had yet, um, so yeah, you, they're totally adults at the age 18, age 21, or whatever, but, They're still going through experiences that are telling them, okay, what kind of adult human being am I? I just, There's so
2: much happens and so much changes and you learn so much about yourself and about the world and about people around you. And I feel like that always gets framed. When you talk about this kind of thing as you get older, it always gets framed as getting like jaded. And I don't like to think of it that way. I just Mm -hmm. think that you... I think I'm actually going to paraphrase something Lindsay Ellis said about Sansa Stark once, which was that like it's not that you ever you should ever lose your empathy. You need to get smarter about who is deserving of your empathy.
3: That's true. I'd which, say that's accurate.
2: I I, I always like that because I, I think I think that's really what it is, is. you just as you get older, you need to learn. You, you you learn how to be the best version of yourself, and you choose every day how you're going to do that. For sure. So many words I say.
0: Uh, no, your words come together nicely.
3: Accurate, very accurate.
2: I say, I say that all of this wisdom at the the ripe old age of twenty three. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm here. I've
1: <laughs> so.
2: nothing more for me to learn. I'm set.
0: <laughs> so um, no, go ahead, Jazzy.
1: Uh, um, were you just we're you gonna go off the same subject or?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, go, go, go ahead. I
1: want to hear you talk. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, while this is going on, I was listening, but I'm also shaking with excitement because I just found out that apparently I have an IMDB page, so I guess I'm a real actor now. <laughs> I have,
3: well there you go.
2: I have an IMDB page.
1: I have no idea how that happened. I'm just like, what? Someone just brought it to my attention. I'm like, what? If I have, got
3: one, but I totally don't deserve one. Like people like I was making videos through Channel Awesome for nine years and they decided to give me an IMDB page, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but okay, it's there.
2: I have one just because I have been in people's, like I've done things for different YouTubers and different uh, videos, so as like acting giant quotation marks around that. (laughs) And I I think it might be auto-generated. I don't know. But if you type my name into Google, one of the first things that comes up is an IMDb page. (laughs) And it's all accurate. It's all stuff that I did. So I'm just like, it's about me. That's pretty cool.
0: I I have an IMDb page as well, but under my dead name, unfortunately. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah. Can you uh, edit it?
2: Can you appeal to get it changed or something?
0: Probably, but I think you have to pay. And I don't want to pay.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's your call (laughs) Um, if that's worth it, then.
0: Yeah, well, one of them was because before coming out, or at least realizing to myself, I submitted it because my short film was actually on there. Um, uh-huh. uh, I did that a while ago, and I also, but I, I got, I think I got it from that, or either from that, or because I was an extra on the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really?
3: <laughs> well, that's yeah. a legit credit.
0: Mm-hmm. yes that is a legit credit um an extra who never actually appeared in front of camera <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: like I, at
0: all like the entire day we didn't shoot shit i was standing in the sun day.
1: <laughs> um just yeah, waiting think, for my moment <laughs> yeah according to this i got a i got an imdb page because um both rogue robots which was an animated short i was in we had um the creator lulzy and a few episodes ago um and uh, Dreambound an audio an audio um, drama I'm in got, mm-hmm. a- apparently had pages and I wasn't aware, so <laughs> so we're sorry.
0: all we're all good enough to be on that
1: site because we are all <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I'm just looking, so I'm just looking at this and I'm like, that's this is just surreal to me. So
2: <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll get into my own personal involvement. With people from Channel Awesome and some drama on that, but I don't feel like it anytime soon.
0: No, we don't. We don't need to trudge up. We've already been trudging up the drama from Vic. We don't need to trudge up the Channel Awesome drama. That
3: would be.
1: Do an entirely would separate hour. <laughs> that would like, just just get all the just get all the former channel awesome guests we've had on the fucking show together for a reason we, we could
2: Union special
1: oh no this, you're the, you made it sound sadistic is what you did
2: <laughs> It would would that not be a sadistic act to
3: be like okay guys let's all talk about this bullshit for an hour <laughs> Oh, wow. I would be okay with it. I can think of a couple of people who are like, I just don't even want to remember it. PTSD. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> I could do it,
0: though. <laughs> um, shit, I was I was thinking of something that I had in mind to say, but my brain decided to stop working for like a second.
2: Well, I do got I gotta run soon.
4: <laughs> okay, this
0: actually might yeah, be the best go time.
4: So... This might
0: be the best time for us to wrap up this that's episode. Fair. um so um i wanted to say oh sorry it's time for plug to plug whatever you want to plug now so uh
1: jazzy you want to plug your stuff okay that's a weird way to put it <laughs> um <laughs> you can find me on twitter at lady jazzington youtube at jazzy oliver and you can find me on twitch also at lady jazzington i stream every monday and thursday currently we are playing through super mario galaxy uh, Lizzy.
2: Uh, you can find me at at Lizzie Lemon Drop. Uh, any of the places you want to, I want you to find me. Uh, Twitter and and TikTok are the two best places for that. Uh, on my Twitter bio, there's a link to my website. Please go look at that and read the things that I write. I work very hard on them. Um, and then if you want to follow me on TikTok, that's cool. It's 90% shit posting, but I have a lot of fun on it. And sometimes I talk about horror movies and and finished film stuff you know that thing i have a degree in
0: (laughs) and uh kaylin where where can the good people find you
3: uh i am all over social medias uh twitter instagram facebook youtube and tiktok that i don't do anything with uh, all at Marsgirl, M-A-R-Z-G-U-R-L. I'm usually getting into fights with people on Twitter, and my my YouTube uh, is occasionally active, and I might actually post something again in the near future. That's a kind of sort of maybe. And I stream on Twitch sometimes too, which is also Marsgirl, M-A-R-Z-G-U-R-L, because I'm not very original.
0: <laughs> you have a brand. I like it.
3: Yeah. It's a brand. It's consistent. They can
2: find
0: you.
4: Yes.
0: yes smart
2: originality's got nothing to do yes. with it
0: <laughs> and I am Crystal Williams you can read any of my my writings at medium under Crystal Williams you can all f- also follow me on twitter at crystalwrocks um, and I want to also mention again since it is continuing pride month if you have a little bit of extra money please donate to Gayly Dreadful's current uh, fundraiser um, for the Trans Law Center. Um, they, they're they doing a lot of really good work and raising a lot of money, but even more money would be helpful. You can also read my article that I contributed to that site where I talk about horror movies and how they can be an excellent coping mechanism. Um, so please do that if you can, if you have a little bit of extra money. It's great to help us queers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to just say... This has been another excellent episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. Thank you so much, Kaylin, for being on with us. It's been a blast. And of course, you are always welcome back anytime you're interested in talking with us. We Greatly
3: a- appreciated. This was super fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Of course. Thank you so much for being thank here,
2: Kaylin.
0: It was awesome. And until next time, we are the Gals of Geekdom and signing off. Bye everybody. Cheers. Is- we